everyone, and welcome to another Scotswehe podcast. And today I'm talking to director and theatre maker Beth Morton and playwright Marna Young. Hello, both. Hi, Alistair. Hello. It's great to have you on. And we're here to talk about Braw Tales, five stories over uh, five days presented by Mull Theatre. So, Beth, starting with you, can you tell us about Braw Tales and your involvement? Yeah, so I've been working with Mull Theatre as their interim artistic director for the past 12 months, which has been a a really interesting time to do a job like that, as you can imagine. Um, And so at the beginning of the year, like every other theatre, all of our plans for any kind of in-person filming or anything like that were were out of the window. So, um, So what I really wanted to do was come up with a project that everybody could work safely from home um that we were creating a project that could support as many freelancers as possible to to work on it and to still be sort of giving them that freedom to create and exercise their creative muscles um and also to create something that kind of provoke joy and happiness and hope like so they're all stories that are really joyful and they're some some of them are a bit bonkers as well which is great they're all really different from each other and which is also really brilliant um and not only will I think I hope audiences will find the joy in all of them um but all of the artists who have been working on them have also sort of said oh, this, this project has just been so brilliant to work on. We've needed it, like, yeah. through this dark winter that we've been, that we've been having. Um, so that's kind of where the project came from, where the idea came from. Um, and we've worked with 26 freelancers altogether on the project, which is just brilliant. Like, I'm, I'm really chuffed with that. Well, it's interesting because I was looking through the breakdown of it. And first of all, you kind of, you're, you're drawn to the different writers that are there. But then you notice that, well, for one, we'll talk about the animation which there is in, in each of them. So you're using different animators each time and different uh, musicians each time. So the kind of variety of stuff must be incredible. But before we get on to the details of it, Mona, what about your uh, involvement in it? Yeah, so I'm um, one of the very lucky writers um, and I, I was really chuffed when uh, Beth and I had the initial chat about this Um I'd never worked with an animator before, so that was an entirely new process to kind of think visually about something. Um, and I'd had this idea for a while. Um, I kept thinking about this uh, this teenager from the north of Scotland who who dreamed of being an astronaut, and it just you know it just really tickled me this idea of of the stars as somewhere full of endless possibility and this life you know, on earth where where there's class barriers and, and troubles. Um, so, yeah, I'd been thinking about this idea for a while. Um, and when Beth and I had our initial chat about bro tales, it seemed to be the perfect fit. Um, and especially this visual element over being able to play with that juxtaposition of, you know, my quine from the northeast and this beautiful starry landscape. Um, so that's where I started with it. And Beth, thankfully, uh, was really excited about the idea. Um, so, yeah, I, I I started work on it and it's been an absolute joy. It's been really beautiful 
actually to turn over a script and to see a visual representation in a way that's different from theatre as well. Yeah. You know, the endless possibilities that, that are available to an animator. It, it's been really quite extraordinary. Well, that's what I was thinking. You, the kind of usual um, constraints of maybe um, space and uh, budget, of course, that's kind of lessened, I presume, Beth, with, with being able to use animators. It's just the limits of imagination, I suppose. Absolutely. Like, you can go anywhere with animation. I mean, you, you, can, kind of, you can go anywhere on stage as well, but it needs a lot more um, money. And, um, and, and like the logistics of that is, is always more complex. But with animation, yeah, literally anywhere, any nook and cranny of the world and the universe that we can go to, we go to. Um, and I think exploring that, that platform of storytelling as well in a theatrical way, because all of the writers come from a theatre background, mm-hmm. um, that you know that's been like the the wonderful thing really that that we've been able to really push that boundary of what storytelling is like in that medium which has been new to all of us and has it been a different challenges then in terms of I'm thinking you've got your different performers as well whereas before um there's a physical aspect to the performance and this is more of a voice performance yeah so again zoom came into play a lot throughout this project as it is doing with everybody's projects just now. Um, so working with the, um, with the performers was sort of um, a little rehearsal on Zoom and some of them had their home studios that they'd record and do takes. And that's how we did, uh, we did Stella, isn't it, Mona, um, with, with, Sarah, uh, with um, MJ. Um, the, the three of us got together and had that, what what would be normally a kind of a rehearsal process in a theatre context, but MJ then kept doing takes as we were going through the script. Um, and then we just make a note of the takes that we liked and, and then she edited all that together. So, so it was, um, yeah, again, that was a bit of a learning curve for us all as well. That was a bit different. So, uh, Mona, what's the kind of practicalities then of working in this way? How did the collaboration work for you? Um, well, I mean, I guess I mean, there's similarities with theatres and then there's uh, with theatre work and, and differences. Um, I mean, very much in the beginning, uh, I had the I had the chat with Beth about the idea and how it might work. Um, and we had a wee conversation about it, but there weren't really limitations on that conversation. You know, Beth was really welcoming and saying, you know, try, try, do, do what you want with this. Um, so there was a great freedom that came along with that um yeah I have totally forgotten your question I am so (laughs) so you're having to um work I guess I'm thinking whereas before you might be working in a space together you've got a stage you've got um being able to um see where people are standing, how they say things differently and all that kind of stuff. I'm presuming mm-hmm. now with a, an animator, um, with your kind of voice artist, and then even with your musician, they're all working isolated and then you come together like we are and work that way. So how did that work um, for you? Um, I mean, at the heart of that process is really, I think, uh, Beth. Um, and, and, and the role of a director as well, who's the one who, you know, Beth would have a conversation with, with, with me and have a conversation with Kate, our wonderful animator. And then, you, you know, it, 
it's about having that it's about having that dialogue and about having the person in the middle who's keeping all of the plates spinning and the wheels turning and um you know Beth does that beautifully I think and is so supportive um of the artist she's working with and there were moments of bringing it together for example when we worked with um MJ who is our actor you know, the three of us worked in the room together and we didn't have a, a huge amount of time, but really to kind of, you know, go through the script and to do to do each take and kind of feedback a wee bit and then record it. So everyone's working in isolation in many ways, but there's these crossover moments of bringing things together. Um, it's one of the really interesting things about the pandemic in, in many ways is, you know, as a writer, so much of your work is isolated anyway. You, you know, I'm yeah. I'm at my desk by myself with these imaginary characters chatting away to me. Um, <laughs> and in the theatre process, of course, at, at some point you then take that in a room and we all collaborate. Um, whilst we're working digitally, we, we don't get the room bit. So it, it's finding these opportunities for crossover, like the recording, like those conversations uh, that Beth and I have had about the artistic vision for it, it's finding those it's finding those wee moments of connection when we're all actually quite disconnected. Yeah. So Beth, if you're keeping all the plates spinning for Norma, you're also keeping all the plates spinning for all your other <laughs> So it's quite a quite a, a undertaking. How did you choose who you were going to work with? Was it your choice, or were it a kind of wider conversation? It was a mixture, really. I mean, all of the so the the first uh, the first bunch of um, brilliant artists that I engaged with were the writers because we couldn't can't do anything without the without the stories. Um, so the writers are kind of a mixture of um, people who I've wanted to work with for a while, people who I have worked with um, previously, and Maura and I collaborate quite often. So. Um, so it was lovely to be able to to work with Mona on this as well, uh, and 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 writers who I've kind of, I'm having conversations with about maybe future work, but that I've not worked with yet. Um, so that was, and I just approached them, told them about this crazy idea that I had, and at that point I wasn't even entirely sure how I was going to pull it off. Um, and they were all really excited and supportive of that idea, um, and and jumped on board like feet first um which was brilliant um and then from there it was a case of sort of <clears throat> looking for animators to work with because I've never worked in animation before I've never worked with animators really before um so it was a case of just connecting with people who I knew who who knew animators and just having those conversations and speaking to them telling them about the idea by that point I, I had an idea of what the stories were going to be about so I could kind of give a little insight of, of what they were um, and really just looking at what style of, you know, each animator has got a very different style that they work with. So kind of finding the right style for each of the stories as well. And again, the animators were, they're all really different style wise, mm. which is brilliant. Um, and again, they were all really up for it and supportive and happy to sort of join the team and sound designers as well. They're they're a mixture of people I've worked with or want wanted have wanted to work with for a while. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of plates spinning um, yeah. just now. Um, and because at the moment they're all sort of really coming together, they're in the last the last sort of flurry of um, of final draft. 
um, my inbox was pinging all over the place yesterday and downloading things and listening to things and watching things and getting back to people. Um, but just in, in the most delightful way as well, you know, that it was, it was just been a really brilliant process. Um, and, and some of the writers and animators have, have collaborated really closely. Mm-hmm. And again, they didn't all, in fact, I don't think any of them knew each other before. I think the animators and the sound designers, composers were all sort of, they were new relationships that, that had established. And some of them have, well, most of them have, have worked really, really closely with each other um, and worked really hard as well. Um, so, so, yeah, so it's been a mixture of remote working, coming together on Zoom, um, a bit sort of piecemeal putting things together but it, they've this it's, it's kind of worked I think yeah <laughs> it's interesting because I, I think I kind of thought that um it would be less stressful and busy coming up to the the, the the day of the show if you like but actually it doesn't sound like that at all it sounds like it's the same process that you know there's last minute changes and last minute fixes is that right yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I thought as well, Alistair. Like back in February or whenever it was when I started contacting people, I thought this would be a nice, a nice little project, you know, five minute animations. We'll do five of them. But yeah, didn't really think it through that at this side of uh, of the project, there'd be basically five shows coming in all at the same time to look at. Yeah. So aside from uh, Morna, uh, who are the other writers? Can you tell us? Absolutely, yeah. So we've got Mona, um, Mona Young, who's written Stella. And we've got Alan Bissett, who has written The Shark Was Aware of Me. Um, we've got Laurie Motherwell, who's written a lovely bonkers uh, story, Keltrapeze. Um, we've got Ellie Stewart, who's written um, The Night You Were Born. And we've got Uma Nada Raja, who has written... Um, a pickpocket's tale. Just name escape me then for a second. <laughs> it's a lot to remember, absolutely. So, uh, Morna, from your side of things, were you given kind of initial directions as to what people were looking for, or was it just this is a story and it's going to be this length? Um, yeah, it, it's an interesting one because sometimes your briefs are really specific, yeah. but in this case, it was very open. Um, we knew the time frame that we were looking for five minutes and we knew it was going to be animation. But aside from that, it was really over to the writers to come up with, you know, what they wanted to play with. Unfortunately, I, I had this idea already that I was very much interested in exploring. So actually, in the conversation with Beth, it proved to be the perfect time to go, actually, I think this could work really well. And... Um... In, in terms of your own work, I know you write a lot in Scots, you know, Scots writing mm. here in 2019. Uh, as a slight aside, do you feel that uh, written Scots is becoming more accepted, if that's the right word, or certainly more common? Because I have a feeling I've read a lot more in the last, whether it's fiction or whether it's <clears> other <throat> things. Yeah, um, so actually this year I've been working um, with the Scots Language Centre um, on a project, um, I don't know how much I can talk about this right now, but on a project with the Scottish Government that we're creating a a style guide for writing in Scots. Um, And that project was partly inspired by um, the Scots Wikipedia, um, Stushy, as it were. (laughs) 
Um, so I've been working with this group of Scots writers together. Um, and I, I mean, I think... Um, I think there's a real wave right now of, of amazing voices coming through who are working in Scots. And I think people have always been doing it from their own from their own wee corners. But I really feel right now this fantastic wave of voices coming through. I mean, there's always been difficulties. There's always been kind of a certain attitudes towards writing in Scots. But in many ways, with this piece, I wanted to play with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, that idea of, with my character, Stella, she's, she's you know, she's she's a genius. She's um, she's the smartest girl in school and she speaks, she speaks broad Scots. Yeah. So there's this attitude towards her of, obviously, she can't be too bright because she doesn't speak properly. Yeah. And that was something deep in the theme of this work that I really, really, really wanted to tap into. Um, I mean, sorry, yeah. No, 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 go ahead. No, I was just going to say that still seems to be the big uh, barrier is this idea that um, a Scots spoken in, 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 you know, locally or as you might in, in Stella's case, probably the playground and at home rather than maybe what's taught is still somehow lesser language. And I think now we're beginning to see how rich the language is all around Scotland that's kind of coming out from wherever people are. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I mean, as you said there, to, to call something a lesser language, yeah. you, you, you know, like who who makes those decisions that something is lesser? And, and, and it, it, it's so baffling. If it's a voice, if it's a language that people talk in, then we, we can't just we can't just say, oh, that's not valid. It is no, valid, no. you know, and, and it's such a huge part of, of Scotland and our, and our culture and yeah. You know, I, I've been so kind of fortunate recently working with the Scots Language Centre as well to to be working with this amazing group of Scots writers who have been writing in Scots for years, but also as the opportunity to keep encouraging emerging writers to write in their voice and know that, you know, that that work is valid and is important as yeah. well. And there's nothing quite like, you know, I mean, I, I write I write in Northeast Scots a lot because it's the voice that I've always grown up in, and I mean, I'm I'm an absolute code switcher. I'm using this voice right now because we're having this interview. But if I spoke like this back in my village, I'd be sent away because they'd be going, "Orna's got a wee bit of posh, hasn't she?" Yeah. <laughs> I know, but she she's going about her station. <laughs> but I, I yeah, I, I think it's um. I think it's really gorgeous watching some of these voices coming through at the moment. And I, I think, yeah, I think we just have to keep encouraging, encouraging the voices. There's some, in in some cases, I think, you know, there's words in Scots that you go, there is no English equivalent right. to that. You know, it has to be in this tongue and it has to be this way. And if you start, like this story is set in the northeast of Scotland. If I was to write it in English, I'd be sanitising it. So... Mm-hmm. Who am I sanitizing it for? So once we start talking about authenticity and representation, then you know I, I think it's I think it's really important. And this character would speak in Scots, yeah. And tapping into that, I just tried to really make it a theme within her story. And I don't think you can uh, uh, overestimate the power of someone reading or hearing or seeing a piece of theatre that's in the language that they have grown up with or that they have heard around them. It's a really powerful thing, as you say. 
Um, and so with the, going back to the idea of language, Beth, you've got these five different pieces that come in. Um, were you a excited by the, the, the different uh, voices that were being used? Were you ex- surprised? I was definitely excited um, by the writer's voices and the character's voices that were coming through. Um, surprised? I'm not sure. The, um, so the character's voices, um, mostly female voices. Mm-hmm. I think only one of the broad tales is a male um narrator's voice um which is interesting um but not not surprising just I don't know why I expected a bit more of a a mix of of that um but and as Mona was saying like the the Scots obviously Stella is 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 Scots you know that that is the the language of that piece um and Alan obviously uses his character voice his I mean he writes in Scots quite a lot as well so so that creeps into his character Jemima in in his broad tale but it was part of the whole project was about celebrating Scottish talent and Scottish voices so I was delighted and really excited that that we were getting a mixture of those Scots voices and and sort of Leicester Scots voices as well a mixture of ages as well which obviously affects the language um, that these uh, narrators speak speak with um so we've got they they kind of range from an 11 year old oh no yeah Stella's 16 so we've got an 11 year old as our youngest character voice um but she's really sassy and she's you know she's got her head screwed on right and she she knows she's she's sort of really world wise and then um sort of Jemima in Alan Bissett's piece is I'm not quite sure exactly what our age is. We never find out, but she's she's sort of over 60. So we've got a really broad uh, range of ages, which obviously affects the language and how they speak about other characters that they tell us about and how they speak about their, their daily lives and, you know, how they exist. Um, so that was really exciting because they are all really, again, really different. I think all those character voices and all those writer voices feel really strong and distinct but all really different from each other it struck me that uh have you considered that this is a different audience that you might be reaching people that may not normally go to the theater absolutely yeah i mean i'm i'm really interested to see who who does engage i mean i think i'm hoping we'll hit some of our theater regular uh, theater audiences and um, the people who follow Mull theater and Antober and and obviously because there are so many artists involved who, who are from a theater background I think we will sort of reach them but I I'm excited to see who the new people are who are going to engage with this work actually and particularly because we're making it available we're making it really accessible so through social media and our Vimeo channel it'll also be on our website and because they're free as well so it'll it'll really hopefully kind of draw people in um and the hope is that they'll just really enjoy this sort of way of storytelling that they they are for ages 14 and up so there there is that preconception that you make animations and they're for they're for children or for younger younger age groups um this isn't the case with these. They're very much adult stories. Some of them are a little bit cheeky. Um, so, uh, so they're very much 14 and up. Um, so I think that'll have an effect on the audience that we, that we pull in as well, because animation 
it isn't something that we think of as, as being made for, for adults purely, you know, uh, apart from the kind of the late night South Park-ish kind of things that you get on, on TV. But in terms of the things that, that you see pop up online and on social media, um, very rarely are they aimed at adults. Yeah. So, yeah, so who knows who, who they'll be? But I think a wide audience, hopefully... Oh, well, now might be a good time before we forget to let people know how they can view them and where and all of those things. Yeah, so lots of places. Um, so each day, next week, so between the 10th and the 14th of um, May, to the first one, so we start with Stella, it'll be released at 1pm on Monday. And then every day after, a new one will be released at 1pm. So you can grab a cuppa, put your feet up, have a sandwich just for five, eight minutes and enjoy um, a bit of animation. Um, and they'll be found on our Vimeo channel, Antober and Theatre's Vimeo channel um, on our Facebook page they'll go live at one o'clock um, we'll also put them up on our website so if you head to the coma.co.uk website you'll find them there as well um, and they'll be available on catch up so if you miss them at one o'clock don't worry they'll be there to catch up with um, on our website and on Vimeo and we'll keep sharing them as well on social media so there'll be plenty of opportunity to, to see them there is absolutely no excuse not to catch up. None whatsoever. <laughs> so let me ask you both, um, Mona, perhaps starting with yourself, how has your last year been professionally? Have you been able to work and write and keep on going? It, it's an interesting question because obviously um, when we go back to that first week of the pandemic and the phone calls started, you know, it was it was one of... I, I mean, I, I hate using the word the terrible times because I think there's been so, you know, the pandemic has been dreadful and unspeakable for so many people. Um, for the artists, I think that first week of the phone call saying, mm. scratch that from your diary, scratch that from your diary. And I mean, I'm talking about, a, you know, a couple of days and suddenly 2020 went, for me went from being the busiest year of my life to suddenly sitting with this empty diary. And it was terrifying. It was it was really terrifying. Um, but I think very quickly, you know, theatres kind of regathered and went, "What are we going to do?" And I mean, I was I was surprised and also very fortunate to find the phone ringing again. And you know, we want you to do this digital piece. Uh, we want you to develop this idea. Um, and I, I mean, I've I've been incredibly fortunate to keep working as an artist during this in a different way you know so my five productions I was meant to have last year just quite a lot are, are all now you know bumped to 2022 so that side of my life is out but I could still be redrafting some of the scripts yeah and along the way doing digital work and magazine articles things that are kind of related to what I do as well um so I, I personally have been really lucky and fortunate and grateful for the work, but that's not that's not a, a common story, I think, across the arts. And I think I'd be doing a disservice to the artistic community to not say how badly yeah. most artists have been have been affected during this. It's been, you know, entire livelihoods just uh, 
you know, destroyed. Yeah, absolutely. And Beth, at the very beginning, you said you'd taken over your role with uh, Mull and you'd said it was interesting. And I thought that might be an inverted commas. Interesting time to do it. But how has your year been? Similar to, to Mona, like I, I'm really aware that I've been in a really privileged position to be in work throughout this whole like 12 months and, and, and a little bit more um, because so many people really haven't been and it's it's just it's been so awful really um so I, I am really grateful that I have been in work um so it was kind of um in a similar way to Mona as well I had I had sort of a full diary that then looked empty and then sort of filled up a little bit again but looked completely different yeah. um and the amount of skills that I had to learn to adapt as as a lot of other people have had to as well um was was really challenging but in an, in a really exciting way actually um so when i first when i'd first started talking to mull about coming in as their interim director um they it was for live work you know it was it was to to make some live theater um and then really quickly like within weeks the pandemic kind of mm. really made its presence felt and we, we realized that wasn't going to work. Um, but my role would would continue. So it was just a case of, of, of us then thinking, okay, well, what about this whole digital world then? What are we going to do about that? Shall we do something with that? Um, so, um, and I was really fortunate that kind of, um, I did one of the scenes for survivals with NTS as well last summer. Um, so that kind of gave me a little flavor of what that whole making digital work theatrically was was like and then we made the emergence um plays with mull theater last year which was specially commissioned for this hybrid theater film medium just as well because i think what it's given me the opportunity to do is be curious about what that medium is and the opportunity that i've had at mull theater which has been incredible is it's given me the space to interrogate and answer those questions for myself and and find out what that hybrid medium is all about. And then now with the broad tales to find out, okay, well, what's this other platform of storytelling that we could explore and how else can we tell stories and connect with audiences without getting into a room together in a live yeah. way? Like how, how can we still reach out to audiences who still crave those stories and who still even now more than ever, like stories and theater, it's how we sort of assess our place as human beings in the world, in the society that we live in and, and sort of how we find our place within that. I mean, that's not gone away. If anything, it's become a, a bit more important now. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it, it kind of went from, from a, an empty diary um, and what, what are we going to do? Like, what am I going to do to, okay, there's, there's, there's opportunities to, to play and to find out and to work with people still. Um, and to learn new things. So so it became really about a bit more of a journey of discovery for my artistic practice, I guess, throughout this time. It does seem, I think, that storytelling in particular has become of a, a really, you know, greater importance, maybe not greater, but it seems more profound now that people are, when they are constrained in some way, kind of physically, that, you know, you've you managed to go other places in your mind and stuff like that. And it does sound as though you might find new ways of telling these stories in terms of theatre that you carry forward that you might not have, you know, thought of otherwise, which is interesting. 
Well, finally, to turn that on its head, is there anything that both of you are looking forward to, uh, you know, as kind of summer approaches and we start to, you know, things begin to open up again? Um, well, Beth and I have another project that we just recently received funding for, which we are starting development on together. Um, as in our individual artist capacity, um, Beth as director and myself as playwright. Um, so we're going to be starting some collaboration on a new project, which is really exciting um, and really nice, I guess. I love that stage, you know, when it's, when it's two minds going together. Um, so, yeah, we've got that development coming up fairly soon, right, Beth? Yeah, that's imminent, yep. Right, <laughs> and, it, that's, and that's a project we've been talking about, the two of us, for probably four years or something, a long time anyway. So, um, <laughs> so it's really exciting for us to actually be able to get into a park or a Zoom room or whatever that's going to look like, but to just get to get our creative heads together and actually be able to do some active development on that on that project feels really great. Oh, well, that sounds very exciting. Can't wait to hear more about that. It sounds as though it's a bit under wraps for now, but maybe you can <laughs> go on and let us know. <laughs> but listen, I want to thank both of you for joining me today and having a chat uh, and best of luck with Broad Tales. Thank you so much, Alistair. It's been a real pleasure chatting to you. Thank you. Oh, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. No problem at all. And we'll be back soon with someone completely different. Cheers. <laughs>